friends, and thanks for listening to the Capital City Soccer Show, your independent source for everything Austin FC. On today's show, we're going to have an interview with James Ruth, who's the Senior Vice President of Marketing for Austin FC. We're also going to take a deep dive into a recent Chris Bills article where he interviewed Claudio Reyna about the roster, roster construction, and then we'll also cover a few more bits of club news and Austin soccer news. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. Um, Landon, did you watch like the two weather extremes that we had going on in, in MLS today? Yeah, you're referring to the decision day games. So I was kind of flipping around into into different channels and it was like yeah, flipping through the the seasons of the of the year kind of going from game to game, but yeah, so uh Miami secured a playoff spot during a hurricane essentially. And then uh Sporting Kansas City was playing in Utah and they won the Western Conference during a blizzard. Um, so that was very interesting to see. They had orange ball and everything. And then it was, it was, I didn't see the beginning of the game, but towards the end of the game, it was like snowing so hard that it was like kind of hard to see players on the far end of the field. Yeah. It was one of those games where it definitely developed during the match. Cause the boys and I watched it. Um, and during the, you know, early on, it was mostly green with some snow upon it. And then, yeah, I mean, it really like came in hard later on and, um, the guys were very excited about the ball. Like, Why is the ball like orange, Daddy? I'm like, well, there's a special ball for that kind of weather. And this is what we do where we have both of those going on at the same time. So it's just like a little bit of just how decision day happens in MLS, which is the most yeah. MLS thing ever. And then also today, uh, Philadelphia Union won the Supporters Shield. So uh, it was between them and Toronto. And on the either last episode or the episode before, we talked about the new tradition that we want to see started, which was serving a, a traditional food from that city on the supporter shield to the players. And so uh, I understand that you've done some research into traditional Philadelphia foods, Jeremiah. Yeah, now that I'm an expert on Philadelphia, after doing, <laughs> after, after that, and then we also had the uh, a couple shows ago, we had the Philadelphia Union expansion draft conspiracy prediction thing. But apparently they love sandwiches in, in Philadelphia, which was which is what I got. So of course the Philly cheesesteak would be the number one and most common um piece of Philly cuisine. I I can't wait for somebody who's actually from Philadelphia to listen to this and tell us how <laughs> wrong we are. So the, the thing I'm most excited about this. Um then second would be the roast pork sandwich, which is also a sandwich. Um and the third is the um oh we were talking about it. Not a pierogi. Oh, What's hoagie. the other a hoagie, a hoagie, yes. I, I did, with all the election stuff going on, there was a bunch of Philadelphia content on my Twitter timeline, and I did this like YouTube deep dive about the Philadelphia accent and how bizarre it is, and they have some like strange words. So, uh, yeah, I think they print they like the like the super strong Philly accent would say hoogie, but also I learned about a word that they use in Philly that they don't use anywhere else, and it like it tripped me out a little bit and I watched a bunch of videos about it, but it's the word, I think it's pronounced John and it's J A W N. Uh, and it essentially like, it's a word that can mean anything and it's fascinating. So, uh, I would recommend like getting on YouTube and find some videos about the word John. Cause it's, thought, it's I really th- weird. <laughs> I thought that was a Lieutenant governor. And then like his name or something too. That's the no, one thing I'm about is, the- So that's where yeah. I, I heard about it. Cause his name is John uh-huh. and, 
he changed it on Twitter to J-A-W-N, like as like a nod to Philly, because that's a Philly word. And so I was like, what is going on? And why, why are people freaking out about this guy changing his first name? And that's what took me down the YouTube deep dive. But <laughs> get on there and look it up because it's weird and it's really interesting. So it just, uh, just like him. I love that. Like he's like a gigantic <laughs> bearded ex. He played offensive line in the NFL. Yeah, he's very Philly. That guy is very Philly. All right, let's move on to some Austin FC news. So I think this is probably going to take up most of uh, the show before we move on to the interview. But Chris Bills recently interviewed Claudio Reyna for uh, an article that was that came out in the Statesman on November 4th. And it mostly was dealing with uh, roster construction. So um, we want to leave uh, something for you to go and, and listen to, or sorry, go and read. And A, if you're not already reading Chris Bills's work and you're an Austin soccer fan, then what are you doing? Uh, but so we'll go through a little bit of that, that story and kind of our takeaways from it, but also read Chris Bills's work because that's really the best. I'll say <laughs> one of the two, one of the two best sources for Austin yeah, FC we'll say soccer the, information. Yeah. The best way to stay as informed as possible is listen to this show and read Chris Bills's work. All right. Where we, and on this show where we talk about Chris Bills's work. <laughs> right. Where you could listen to it and not have to read it, which is, I mean, we love Chris. It's great. And you could, and you've li- you could have listened to Chris Bills on the show before and probably will at some point in the future too. Okay. So Landon, the first, like, let's get back on topic here. So I think the first question that Chris asked Claudio is the same one that we hear all the time, which is, We've got a season in a few months, and we have two players, which seems like not enough to field a roster. What's going on with that? Yeah, so we just finished a transfer window, right? And we were all kind of like, is there going to be another signing during this transfer window? And it was nobody. So our last signing was Cecilio Dominguez back in September. Uh, I, I think some people are now kind of worried about it, but judging by this article, Claudio Reyna is like, this is our plan. Like, we're fine. We're not worried about this. Um, one thing that he mentioned in this interview is that he has a list of, uh, the quote is four to five or six players at each position. So they have a, a wish list, essentially. Um, and he mentions that also that there's several of these players that they have uh, agreements with, essentially. And none of it's on paper, but it's essentially these players have said they want to join the team and are just waiting for Austin FC to kind of pull the trigger. And so um, I think some people were a little bit, uh, I've seen people online being a little bit concerned with that, with that strategy, because say there's a player that we really want and that's, that fits what Claudio and Josh are looking for, but we don't have anything on paper right now. And so come December or January, whenever that next window is, if that player's gone, then what happens next? So uh, is that something that concerns you, Jeremiah? Yeah. I, I, just, I mean, I'm not inside these discussions or conversations, but that seems like a level of surety that, I'm, that I don't have. That if it's just like, you know what, if this guy doesn't work out, we get the next guy, you know, and I just, it seems kind of risky to me. I mean, what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, so Claudio in this interview, he... I mean, it, you can't hear his tone of voice, but based on the quotes, he doesn't seem concerned about it and acts like this is just part of the plan. And so he said that uh, they want their players playing. 
in the meantime. So they don't want to sign someone and just have them sitting for several months before they start playing with us. Uh, so that gives them more time to scout these players before actually having to, to pull the trigger and actually put pin on paper. Um, so, I mean, that's, that can be a pro or a con, right? Um, and Chris mentions this in the, in the interview saying that like, what about this risk? Does that concern you that a player might change their mind? And because you don't have anything official that they're just gone. Um, and Claudio's kind of rebuttal to that is that we want players that are all in on Austin FC. So we want the players who want to come here. And, that, and, and so that, if, if seems, they really want to be here, then they're not going to change their mind. They're going to be available when the time comes. Yeah. I was thinking that that fits with like the whole philosophy for the club too, right? Like, We've heard that from the coaches. We've heard that from the front office. You know, they really want people who are committed to Austin. So while it seems very risky to me, I've also never been the sporting director for a successful MLS franchise. So I just kind of have to trust here that Claudio probably knows what he's doing, you know, more than I probably do. Um, so he also talked a little bit about where the player is going to come from um, and maybe when. So can you dig a little more into that, like where they're, lo- where they're looking for players, where they're making targets. Yeah. So two of the things that, that Chris points out in the, um, in the article are that the, with the global economic situation right now, that MLS teams kind of have an advantage right now. Right. So there's, there's going to be a lot of teams all over the world who are needing to offload salaries. Um, MLS teams are seen as, as stable and are some, some of the more stable clubs in, in world soccer, as far as just like the funding goes, like we know there's money behind it and they're going to be able to pay the bills and pay players even during kind of a difficult time as, as we're in right now. And so players and agents know that and see MLS as a good option to kind of that next step. And so um, I, th- I think players could come from all over the place, but, uh, and, and he mentions that they are looking all over the place, but I think it's going to be a lot of them coming during um, during this, this winter transfer window. I mean, that's where we're going to have to have a team put together by January, right? So you'll see the expansion draft. Um, there'll be just like free agency within MLS. And then we'll also just be signing a bunch of players. So I looked up uh, what, like, what we can expect in this winter transfer window and just checked on transfer marks for LAFC's roster in that first season in 2018. They signed around 20, like 20 some odd players during the winter before going into that first season. And so we're over here like freaking out about two players and all excited about these two players over the, like the winter break, we're going to have a whole team coming in like pretty quick. They're all just going to suddenly be here essentially. So, um, it's going to come thick and fast and, I going back to like why I'm worried or why I'm not worried. There's a lot of like, we're going to have to sign a lot of players anyway. So by not having all this, like anything official yet, yeah, maybe we will lose one or two of those guys. They'll change their minds or whatever. But um, I th- I think like Claudio said, like the ones who really want to be a part of this project will, will probably still be available or will work to still be available. Um, but also... I think that MLS is just a little bit different than than other leagues in the world because of the the salary structuring. Um, like at the top level of of world soccer, for some teams there is like the right player. Like 
the the perfect player that they need exists. And so I think a good example of this is uh, Liverpool. They had a really great season a few years ago, and their defense just wasn't wasn't great. And they added Virgil Van Dyke, and the next season was was the season they were just world beaters. They were amazing that year, and that one piece that they added changed everything. MLS is not that way. MLS is because of the salary structure. It's more about getting the right price for players, and so. Claudio's list of four or five players at a position, they're probably looking at all of those people and sending messages out to all of those people and those agents. And whichever one is available for the right price at the right time, that's the one they're going to pull the trigger on. And so I that that's why this strategy doesn't worry me so much, because like I said, it's less about the the exact the one player that's the right guy. And it's more about getting the right deal and the right right price for a certain type of player. And so I'm, I'm not super worried about it. It's, is it risky? Yeah, it's a little risky, but I think this patience could really pay off in finding some really great deals and building a really good MLS roster. Yeah. And to the good, like if they've, if he really does have a list of four to six players, which you have to, at every position, which you have to imagine he does, like, I'm not going to, we're never going to know if he misses his first choice, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> we're just going to have a guy who's like a probably good for his position and the price and we'll get him in and we'll all be happy and we'll be none the wiser that, you know, whoever the absolute, you know, number one name was like, didn't come to pass. And maybe that's already happened, right? With the two people that we, with the players who already have, you know, and it's just, it's just part of it, you know, and it's why, I think it's why it's such a good deal um, that, that we'd sign Claudio. It's like, he's has this experience in building a roster in MLS and like understands the various ways that MLS works. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about the two players we have now and their, how they're, how they're doing so far? Yeah, we can do a quick recap of, of their game this week. Uh, so, uh, the Klausura season is now started, uh, Klausura part of the season. And so, um, Cecilio wasn't playing. He was only playing in the Copa Libertadores matches and not in the league matches, but he's now playing in league matches. And uh, him and Rodney both started in their game against General Diaz the other day. Uh, whenever I didn't see this game live, but I saw the scoreline come out and I saw that Rodney and Cecilio both scored, right? And I was really excited to, that both of them scored because Rodney hadn't scored a goal in a long time. But uh, did you see the highlights of this, Jeremiah? Yeah, I did. I did watch that. I don't remember what the uh, exact wording was, but the the Rodney goal was very much like here's the Cecilia goal that Rodney sort of helped out, touched on the way, made <laughs> made, made happen. Yeah. So, but yeah, you, yeah, you was, saw it directly, right? It was a really awesome goal. Uh, like the build up to it was cool. So, um, somebody like around midfield played a ball to feet to Cecilia to Cecilio. And he like stepped over it and dummied it, and it went to Bobadilla, the striker, and he one twos it to Cecilio at like towards the top of the box, and Cecilio lets loose on this long shot, and <laughs> it bounces off of Rodney's back, like deflects off of Rodney's back, and goes in, and they gave the goal to 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 Rodney for it. So uh, he still hasn't really scored a goal, but uh, Cecilio got another goal, kind of uh, like a poacher's goal later on in the game, and so it's good to see him ending up on the scoreline. Uh, good to see Rodney on the scoreline too even if he didn't fully deserve however, it but however he did it yeah 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 but it's great to see them playing together and and winning and and being successful they've had a rough start to this part of the season too so this is their first win after I think they had two losses and a draw so far and then even the club they beat is 
at the exact bottom of the table. <laughs> um, so they've gonna, they're going to have uh, Copa Libertadores matches later this month. It looks like they're going to be playing against Grêmio on November 26th is the first leg, and then December 3rd is the second leg. So uh, hopefully we can find those on TV. I'm not sure what station they're going to be on, but definitely be looking out for those. Right, let's get into some other Austin FC news. So uh, the club released a teaser video called The Uniform of Austin um, on November 5th, and it's essentially teasing the release of the first team jersey. So Jeremiah, did you see, did you see the video, and what, is your, what did you think about it? Yeah, I saw the video. It was a good video because they've been doing a lot of good video work lately. Um, and they're very nonspecific, but I feel like there's a very big holiday season that's coming up so i would expect that video would be out not the video sorry i expect that jersey would be out sometime very soon probably maybe after thanksgiving before christmas as we all decide what we all want as fans <laughs> and um you know as far as the look goes i could i think like i wish which i wish we had video of is when we interviewed adam butler and adam like talked about how much adidas was committed to making verde happen and then give and then gave us like the over dramatic wink like yeah. <laughs> on the Zoom. So I think we have a pretty good guess about that. But how do, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, they don't, like, there's no, in the video, there's no teasers as to what the jersey actually looks like. It's just that it's going to be available soon. So I'm I'm just excited to see what it looks like and just to see what, um, yeah, what the team's going to look like on the field. But we're going to get into this a little bit more with James Ruth towards the end of the interview we have with him. So I think now's a good time just to transition into that. We've uh, we interviewed James back. That was on the Anthem podcast, wasn't it, Jeremiah? Yeah, it was back in March like, when he was. Right I think when, he was like, yeah, like one week or two weeks into yeah, the job, and he had just started here. And so it's it was really cool to talk to him again and see. Um, we kind of asked him about his plans and like what he planned to do. And now, several months later, we're getting to talk to him about the things that he has done and is already doing. So uh, it was great to catch up with James again. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this interview. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with that. Joining us today is the Senior Vice President of Marketing for Austin FC, James Ruth. James, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Glad to be back. So can you just, to start off, just talk to us a little bit about some of the marketing initiatives that the club has um, has put out recently, because the team has definitely been a lot more visible on social media and there's these billboards coming out. So just tell us a little bit about, about what that process has been like. Yeah. Um, so first of all, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you guys doing that. Yeah, so it's fun to, to connect with you. Um, in terms of of what's been coming out from the club, at least from kind of a more sort of uh, brand and marketing campaign perspective. Um, that's really a push that we've started that we'll continue to do through really the start of the season. Um, and we have kind of two major strategies that we're working on. One is a, a campaign we're calling Verde Listos, which is I think probably for the billboards that you've seen and maybe some of the commercial aspects, all that sort of stuff. That's really a kind of effort for us to celebrate Austin culture. You know, like I, I think we've talked about that a lot in, in past conversations. We want this club to be an institution in this city. And we know that's not going to happen overnight, right? But we want it to be in our DNA that Austin FC is all about being a catalyst for all those things that make Austin great, right? Whether it has to do with soccer or not. And that was a little bit of the inspiration for this campaign to 
feature people within Austin that we thought were really kind of emblematic of Austin culture. People you may know or people you don't know, but they all have a story that is about how they add to what makes Austin Austin, right? And I just think there's something really cool in that and highlighting that because they are Austin, they are part of Austin FC. And that's kind of where this whole idea of them saying Verde or us kind of positioning them as Verde is is so interesting because we're trying to position them as a core component of Austin and a core component of this club. Again, whether they like soccer or not, it's really about they're kind of adding to the tapestry of the city and what makes Austin so cool. Um, and it was really fun. It was fun to put together that spot and start to build that creative. I think hopefully you guys are starting to feel like we're now kind of getting all the pieces together at the club. You know, six months ago, the, the marketing team was very different. It was like, you know, two or three people and we were all kind of talking in generalities and, and kind of planning things out. And now we're starting to get people within the club who are really, really talented, really skillful at what they do. And the output is things like this Verde Listos campaign. So that's, that's one. And then we've also started to do a lot more in terms of just talking about the kind of traditional soccer aspect of things. And that's kind of been what's been behind um, the stadium videos that you guys have seen, um, you know, like the pitch reveal that we did. Uh, we actually flipped that and turned that into a commercial and put it on broadcast a couple of weeks ago, just because we were so stoked about the content. But that's another strategy of ours to, you know, really address and speak to the soccer fan within Austin, because we know there's a lot of them. And this is a, a soccer crazy city, even without Austin FC ever kicking a ball, right? So we want to be able to speak to that audience as well. And that's what's driving a lot of the kind of pitch and stadium-oriented content. We were talking about this when we just, you know, had the discussion about having you back on. It's like seven months ago, it was like, here's the new guy, James, who has some ideas for things. And now it's like, here's the guy, James, who's done some stuff. Um, <laughs> and a lot of that stuff is video stuff. So yeah. can you can you talk about your commitment to video and sort of how that what that means going forward, this is a, this is Josh Jackson question too, because we like to give credit where credit is due yeah. on these things. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like it's been a big part of your strategy, and especially lately. And and you know, how do you see that playing out in twenty twenty one and beyond? Well, I think you know, it, it's it's a couple different components. One being a soccer team in two thousand twenty, you've got to be video and content first. It's just the way things go. And in the era of COVID and everything that's going on, you got to double down on that, right? Um, and no matter where things lie in 2021, and we're super confident that, you know, we'll, we'll live in a world that looks a lot more similar than, than things uh, do now uh, or similar to, to before COVID. Um, you know, it's important. It's important for us to be able to tell our story. It's important for us to try and grow our culture as a club, and video is going to be a major component of that. Um, we also are really lucky that we got two videographers on our team that are just badasses i mean they're really really good at what they do and they're excited to tell the story of this club and the way they do it is really cinematic and and really epic and i'm just so stoked and happy to have them as part of the team um and i think we've done a good job especially in recent months of as we bring new people in you know trying to create a north star in terms of what we want the look and the feel of this club to be and you're starting to see that come to life in, in the video that we're putting out which is really exciting yeah, I wanted to go back to the particular, particularly the Verde Listos campaign, talking about um, making making the club an institution in the city. And I think back to conversations with with you and with uh, the Butler brothers, and hearing things that Andy Lockney had said in the past. And 
one thing that I heard repeated is that Austin is the brand. And so I think by what, what you guys are doing now and incorporating these Austin legends into marketing for the club, I think that's, I really like that idea. And it's like, it's sticking to that core concept of Austin being the brand because these people are Austin and therefore they're part of Austin FC and therefore Austin FC is part of Austin. And I, I just really like where, where that's going right now. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's, it's really exciting to hear that you kind of feel like there's been that consistency because I've definitely felt it, you know, inside at Austin FC, like it's something that Andy talks about. It's something that Anthony talks about. Matthew talks about it. It's like, listen, Austin is the brand and we're so lucky to be able to create a club in a city like Austin, because there's so much cultural texture here. Like the idea of trying to align this club with Austin, it's easy to do when you live in a place like this city, right? Other cities, mm, I don't know, it might be a little bit tougher, but because of all the unique people that you have here and the unique backgrounds to be able to align ourselves with them, it's, uh, it's a really interesting and fun and natural thing to do. And that's the other thing I like about this Verdelistos approach is this is evergreen. It's not like we're doing this for one campaign that's going to last six months. Like this whole concept of I am Verde or so-and-so is Verde, that's something that's going to last, you know, in perpetuity for the club because we're never going to stop being about Austin, right? And we're never going to stop being about the people of Austin. So it's really cool that we get to start our first campaign with something that's really so fundamental to what the club's whole trajectory is going to be. You know, I think, and that's different than what you see from some other clubs, even new expansion clubs, they go immediately to like, what's the snappy tagline, right? That we can drop in a hashtag and like get out in the world and listen, hashtags are important, all that sort of stuff. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that, but I think it's a really, I'm really happy with the decision to, to stick to something that we know is going to be fundamental to the club for a long time, especially as we start out and to start out early on and be like, listen, from day one or day minus 90, it's all about Austin, right? There's something really, really cool about that. And for me personally, just selfishly, I've gotten to meet so many cool Austinites in the process, right? Um, Which is definitely a fringe benefit, but it, it, it really makes me confident and continue to double down on this strategy because these are real people who really care about Austin and are actually stoked about the club. Right. And there's people who are like tastemakers in the community as well. Yeah. And so if, if they're yeah. seen supporting this team, then other people are, are at least going to hear about it and know, like be more aware of the team. Totally. And I, I think it's, it's even more than tastemakers and I, I get what you're saying, but it's like, I wouldn't call this an influencer strategy, right? Because yeah. definitely all those people that that uh, were selected, like some of them have influence, if you want to call it that. And some of them don't, but their stories are so authentically Austin. You're just like, this guy or girl is Austin, right? Like we've got to get them to be part of this club's story. And it's also been a two-way street. You know, we've had people that we've seen and been like, oh my gosh, we love what you're doing. Like we want to create a, a, a platform to shine a light on you. Like somebody like Evan Boyles, right. Who's a neon sign artist here in town. Who's like, you know, totally himself made an unsung hero, but like he's part of the aesthetic of this city. You know, every neon sign that you see in the city, what 80% of them are made by Evan. And for somebody that's contributed so much to the aesthetic of Austin, like he deserves to be put up on a pedestal. Cause this is a, badass city with a really great look and it's just 
he's part of that history. Um, but then we've got other people like Yoshi Akai, who's like, he is a, he's a big soccer fan, man. And he is really stoked for Austin FC. And to have him be part of the story as well is, is really exciting. Yeah, I want to ask a tactical marketing guy question about that, um, <laughs> which I know Landon Uh-oh. probably loves, right? But I mean, we, when we talked to the Butler brothers, and, and you know, the first time we talked with you, yeah. you've, y'all have done a really good job of getting past like the superficial part of just like, this is awesome. Everybody sees from the airport, yeah. right? And 6th Street and whatever, you know, and like the touristy part of it. It's like, what does that, what does that look like? Like, how do you find like the people who really tell the story of Austin, like how, you know, how does that reveal itself? Cause like people could learn from that. I don't feel like everybody does a great job of that part of it. Well, it's, I mean, there's a lot of people that, that should have credit and bylines to the whole process, even just from the first swap of people that we have in this campaign. But it's such a, like, it's a conversation, a conversation sort of thing. And that's been really, really cool. And especially for me, like coming from the league, and coming from New York where everything's like done through a big agency and somebody's going to source so-and-so to be part of X, Y, or Z campaign. This in terms of how it came together, felt very Austin, or at least, you know, my perception of Austin, which is like, Oh yeah, I know that person. Like my wife knows so-and-so or so, you know, it's like that sort of stuff. Um, which is a big part of like how we got a lot of people to be in this campaign. And it's going to be a big part of, how this whole thing grows over time. Because again, like I think I said it before, the whole idea is for this to be evergreen. And so as more people come into the Austin FC orbit, we'll be like, oh man, like you gotta, we gotta do a I Am Verde, you know, shot with you. Like your story is so cool. And I think that's, that's something that's different. And to be honest, huge credit to the Butler brothers from early on, because they are all about that strategy. You know, those guys are like, First of all, they just know everybody in town, right? But they they carry themselves in a very awesome way. And I mean that as a huge compliment to them because they are all about not only relationships, but celebrating people who are like true Austinites. And I don't mean that in like a caricature, cheesy sort of way, but like people that are just part of the fabric of the city, which is really cool. And it, an awesome point of inspiration for me when I got set up at Austin FC. Um, can so I think most of the questions we're gonna we're gonna ask tonight are uh, either directly from or inspired by um, some of our listeners and friends. And so this one's coming from Jarek Ensign. And he wanted to uh, he wanted to ask to just give a little insight about the particular challenges of marketing an expansion team during a pandemic. Um, yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, the biggest thing is just not being able to get people in groups together. I mean, you guys know the sport, you know this league. There is no replacement for getting a bunch of screaming fans together. And that's whether that's in a stadium or in a bar, right, or wherever. And so that's been a tough thing for me. At the same token, gosh, for better or worse, I, you know, my first day at Austin FC was the first day of of work from home and like, you know, when kind of COVID really hit. So I don't know any different, right? (laughs) But it does make me think about and get really excited to, you know, that first time, whether it's in the stadium or some point before that in a bar or whatever, where we can all just get together and like be rowdy soccer fans. You know, it's like, I love getting on podcasts. I love having conversations with you guys and all that sort of stuff, but there's never going to be a replacement for screaming your head off with 200 other people in a bar watching soccer. And 
And that, at the end of the day, we can do all this marketing stuff and tell great stories and that stuff's really important. But at the end of the day, guys, like, you know it, there's no replacement for that. And it's going to be really exciting when that does happen. And I think the one silver lining of all of this is, gosh, when we do get in that point, I mean, it's going to be Landon Donovan versus Algeria times 10, <laughs> right? Um, or at least that's how I feel, right? So I think it's going to be really exciting. And, you know, good things come to those who wait, I guess. So we'll see how it goes. But that's that's been the biggest challenge is just getting people together in groups. But I think everybody's made it through in their own sort of way. I think the club has really kind of tried to raise its game as it relates to the video content that we're putting out there, the social game. Um, and then you guys, I mean, between Los Verdes, Anthem, Merga, I mean, still doing practices, going to UT games, like, you know, nobody's put their pencils down on this. Like everybody's continuing to try and create this culture. And I think there's something really, really cool to be said for that. So. Um, we've, we've also seen a lot more bilingual content coming out lately. The, I think just last week, the Ruben Pizarro video came out. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about uh, just kind of the general out, outreach strategy, like, general outreach strategy to the Hispanic community in town and um, how you expect or what, what you guys are already doing and then how you expect to implement more of that strategy in the future. Yeah. I mean, it's something that's hugely important, particularly here in Austin, you know, the Latino community here is such a foundational part of this city. Um, and I think it's one of the most exciting things about this soccer team going forward, because it's going to be one of those, opportunities within Austin that reaches across so many communities and finds commonality for people, which I think, you know, I think a lot of people in Austin would agree, there's not all that many opportunities to find those sorts of commonalities and like kind of work across communities. So that's what's so exciting about this sport. I think it's probably a huge reason why you guys love soccer. It's a big reason why I love soccer. It's the ultimate sort of um, connective device, right? Um, so that's just something that's exciting for the club and, and exciting for Austin FC. Um, as it relates to how we look at that stuff, you know, I think it's really important for us that we think about all the different levers that we have to be able to connect with the Latino community in Austin. Um, and that's one in terms of what things look like inside Austin FC, right? Making sure that we have a team that is truly representative of Austin, because to be honest, that's from ground one, that's ground zero in terms of being able to create a club that is well positioned to connect with all of Austin, right? Is having people that come from all of Austin. I think we've, we've really started to do that, which is great. I mean, I think about everybody that's come into the marketing team in the last six months and it's a hugely, hugely diverse set of people, which is excellent. Um, so there's gonna be those foundational things that we're gonna do to make sure that we just start from the right point, no matter what we do. And then there's other, there's going to be other sort of more tactical content that I think is going to be really interesting for us to, you know, really speak to directly the Latino audience within Austin. And the Ruben Pizarro piece is a great example of that, right? And, you know, it's obviously about one person, but I think that's a storyline that can probably be applicable for a lot of people, right? Growing up, watching Liga Mekis, having a team you know, whether it's Tigres or Club America or whatever it might be, and then opening up to MLS because it's in your backyard, 
You know, that's a really, really cool story. I know people on my team have that exact same story, right? Um, and so it just felt like a really cool thing to be telling. I think you'll see some more content like that from Austin FC to really speak to that community's kind of specific relationship with the sport and hopefully with Austin FC going forward. Yeah, I want to ask it about, about a different community, and I think it's one you have a lot of familiarity with given where you came from, but the gaming community. Like, how do you connect the gaming community yeah. to create a new and different generation of, of, of fans? Like, that's probably how my kids are going to connect with it. You know, they're not, they didn't grow yeah. up playing it, but they grew up playing it like through their controllers. So let's talk about that. Yeah, 100%. So that that's something I think we talked about it before. I worked on a ton when I was at the league office, part of the team watching the MLS and, and really kind of creating a more, you know, intentional strategy as it relates to gaming. I mean, one of my favorite stats, and I say it all the time, but like one of my favorite stats about gaming is that 64% of avid MLS fans point to gaming as a major driver of their interest in the sport. It's a huge percentage of people. And it's funny, like, I feel like for anybody over 40, they're really shocked by that stat. Anybody under 40, and they're like, eh, yeah, totally get it, right? Like, I played in college. That's how I, you know, got engendered to the sport, all that sort of stuff. And I think the biggest push or the biggest learning with gaming is that, um, whereas before it was a passive strategy for clubs and leagues, you know, where they're just like, oh, EA Sports, they're another partner that's going to pay me money. And oh, yeah, they, you know, put me in the game and I don't really think about it to, oh, wow, this is a real channel for me to engage fans, you know, and, and I think when, when I was at the league, we really kind of started this push where the traditional model for sports in terms of engagement was, do you watch on broadcast? Do you go to our games? Do you buy our merch? Right. And there was this whole missing pillar around gaming and how we define if you're a real fan or not, real fan quote, right? But, you know, qualified fan. And gaming has to be one of them. It's one of the most, you know, you think about it, you only have so many points as a fan where you really explicitly elect your fandom. And in gaming, you do that, right? You literally pick out your favorite team in FIFA when you start up the game for the first time. And so to be able to speak to fans, particularly young fans via gaming is hugely important. Now, there's a distinction there, which I won't go into a ton, but you know, you've got gaming and then you've got esports. Gaming is obviously a much more broad definition. Esports is the competitive angle of gaming. I think there's a, a place and role for esports. We'll have an esports player uh, for Austin FC and EMLS. Um, but the most important thing is actually having a broader gaming strategy and making sure that you're using FIFA as a channel to engage fans. And I think over time, you'll see a lot from Austin FC in terms of what can we do to actually grow fans via gaming audience. I think Los Verdes and or Anthem um, set up the Discord channel, right? That's a no brainer, right? Talk to gamers where they are. You'll see something like that from Austin FC, but also we wanna use gaming as a channel to just create more opportunities to engage directly with the club. So maybe we're doing monthly tournaments you know, where we're doing giveaways with jerseys or maybe we're getting players to hop on or I don't know, maybe Coach Wolf will like, you know, jump on the sticks <laughs> and be one of, be part of one of those tournaments. Um, and it's going to be stuff like that that you're going to see a lot of hopefully from us in the not too distant future. Obviously, we've got to think about how we prioritize things, but gaming is going to be a big priority for us going forward. It's a, 
it's a huge component of how we grow fans now and in the future. All right. Um, before we get to the the last full question, we wanted to do just kind of like a lightning round of of some questions with you real quick. So um, don't think too much about it. Just just answer the first thing that pops in. Conscious stream of thought. All right. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some good information out of you this way. Uh, this is going to be really dangerous. We should not do this. <laughs> but let's do this. But let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jeremiah, do you remember who asked these questions? Well, I asked the first question, so let's go with that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cool. I'll let you ask it then. Would you describe the New Jersey as Verde or Muy Verde? Oh, my gosh. Um, it is. It is most definitely... Verde, I will highlight that Verde is a color, it's an idea, it's a theme, it's our ethos. So it is Verde in the definition, the many definitions of Verde at Austin FC. Muy Verde is what I heard, Muy Verde. Okay, got it. <laughs> uh, this one is from Brian Mangum, who's a, a craft beer connoisseur slash snob. Uh, in the, the Austin soccer community. And he wanted to know uh, a little more about the w- what the craft beer in the stadium is going to look like and like how many options you think we're going to actually have. You will have more than enough craft beer options and general beer options. I don't think that's anything that anybody has to worry about. With as many taps as we have in that place, you will be uh, well stocked in terms of options. So I don't think there's anything to worry about there. I'm adding to these questions as we go, too. I just had thought of okay. another one off the top of my head. Okay, so Gabby Navarro wants to know whether you or Josh Wolf has better hair. Uh, it's Wolf. It's Wolfie all the way. I'm not, I'm not going to try and jump in front of our head coach on the hair piece. So I'll, I'll let him, him have that for sure. So Josh Wolf by a mile. All right. Any other lightning round questions, Jeremiah? I I don't think let's retire the lightning round. I just I have one more question before we get into the the last question. And I was so since we talked earlier, um, since we talked like back in March, you know what has most surprised you about the Austin experience or the Austin FC experience, for good or bad? Uh, Honest answer: It's the people, the quality of the people that are inside that club um, is really extraordinary. And I am not somebody to kind of go that route unless I really mean it. And that's something that I, I continually am thankful for. You got a bunch of people at Austin FC that are good people that just want to make a really, really exciting and awesome club for this city. And I'm sure you guys, you know, it is a loss for you. That's not always the case. That's not forgiven, right? Um, and so to have that, it just puts us in such solid seating for the long term to create a club that's doing really awesome and cool things. And there's a, there's a, just a, collaborative culture and a positive culture too um which i think begets really really good things and it starts you know from the top um from andy anthony matthew but it extends throughout everybody there's nobody that doesn't join this club that's just really excited to be part of this project and i feel so lucky and just so thankful to to have the opportunity to work in austin and specifically to work at austin fc i would i would you you mentioned people in kind of like the front office world, but I would extend that to the the technical team that's that's here already. We've met several of them at this yeah. point and just get like really good vibes from like what kind of people they are. And then uh, we had Juan Delgado on the show a month or two ago. And just to hear him talk about how yeah. impressed he was with the investment and the human capital on the technical side of the of the team. 
and how excited, like to look at his resume and to see how excited he was about being here and about being part of this project was, was something that really like impressed upon me what, what the potential of this, this team is. Yeah. And that's something I've felt in spades too, from the technical side, and that's being driven a lot by Claudio and Josh. And, you know, coming from the league, I, I, you know, I worked with the technical team a ton, but it's a different thing when you're a technical lead, a technical lead at the, at the league versus at a club. And it's been really cool. And it's been a, like a very eye-opening journey for me where I've learned a lot, just hearing how Claudio thinks about the team, because he spends so much time thinking about the fundamental culture that we're building as a club and how that, that impacts the technical and on field side of things. And that's something you just don't get perspective on not being part of a club, right. Or on the outside looking in and, and just so many decisions are being made through that lens of culturally, what club do we want to be, you know, and it's all coming from a really positive place. So it's, uh, it's awesome that you're feeling that talking to people like Juan. Um, I definitely feel it on the inside when I'm working with that team or, or anybody else from Claudio's staff. That, that reminds me of a question about the literal field. Cause we also talked to Weston and we <laughs> talked about um, when, when Weston got to the first match, like what he would do. And, you know, and uh, typically he said, I think he said like, he would just have a sense of relief, like inside, be happy that we'd gotten there. And then he would yeah. sort of hide on the Northwest corner of the stadium you know, away from everybody and like try to pretend like it wasn't all going on. So when we get to the first match at home, James Ruth, where are you going to be? What are you going to do? How are you going to feel? Oh man. Uh, I don't know. I'm probably going to be in the, in the back hallways of the stadium, just pacing back and forth um, (laughs) with excitement and, um, and all of that sort of stuff. Gosh, it's, it's almost too big to, to think that way, you know, because it's just, it's such a major thing that's happening. Um, but man, yeah, hopefully I'll pop out and actually be able to watch some soccer for like a minute or two before running around around the stadium. So I think I imagine it's, it is probably going to be something like your wedding day where it's like, I know this is like a very big, important <laughs> event and I should be very present and enjoy all of this, but I'm too stressed out and too busy to actually even remember any of it the next day. Yeah, yeah, I that and like a combination of multiple out of body experiences, I feel like are <laughs> yeah. going to happen throughout the day where you're just like, I, it's happening. It's amazing. It's the way it goes, you know, but it's like, I'm sure you guys have exposure to this. You know, this It's like anytime you're planning these big events, like um, you just kind of bite off each chunk as it comes and, and you make like incremental progress. And then by the day you're there, it's like none of it's that surprising. You're just there. And then it takes like six months after the fact where you're like, oh, oh, that really happened. Like, you know, like we did all of that stuff in, in that amount of time. So uh, it'll be exciting. Well, I mean, I'm curious for you guys, like, you know, what are your what are your anticipated first reactions? How are you guys going to be feeling on game day? I don't know, man. I'm like because we don't know what that's going to look like even yeah. like in the world we live in right now. I think that's the thing that I think about most right now. But I think before all of this happened, a lot of us would just talk about like, I think about like trying to be, be present at it and like how it's going to be an emotional moment for, for like a lot of people have been paying attention to this for a long time and weren't for probably longer than we have known it was going to happen. Yeah, we weren't sure it was going to happen. 
And so I think it's going to be a pretty emotional day for a lot of a lot of the people like us who have just like been emotionally invested in this for so long and to to walk into that stadium to actually have it like for there to be a team in there and a game happening it's going to be it's going to be a surreal experience. Yeah, and and for us we've I've got 3 season tickets and the plan is that the boys and I will typically go to every game but the boys are 11 and 9 and so we have this discussion more often than we should about, you know, guys, if you're going like, this is an all day thing, daddy's going to be excited and crazy. Daddy's going to (laughs) say words you probably shouldn't hear. Like, but you're either all in or all out. Like I can't have you, you know, an hour before the match be like, okay, this sucks, daddy. I want to go home. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, that's not, that's not going to happen. So I think the 11 year old, I think the 11 year old probably make it like the nine year old. He's kind of iffy. I don't know. But like, cause like, you boys cannot steal daddy's joy. Like this is, this is what it's going to be about. We've spent like years of my life, like working toward this day and like, we're going to make the most out of it. And hopefully somebody will take like pictures and video or something. So that we're remembering. So yep. I just like Landon said, like about your wedding day or whatever, it's just going to be just such an experience that remembering the, like the little moments or the little details of it. Like, I don't even think that's even possible to, to yeah. do. Cause it's just going to be this big overwhelming like thing that comes across all of us, which is going to be great. Yeah. Well, now I'm curious, like, what kind of, like, soccer watchers are you guys? Are you guys, you guys, like, chat with other people when you watch? Are you, like, are you zoned in? Like, me with my, like, my wife always knows, like, when it's on, I'm just, like, I'm catatonic. I'm, like, focused, and that's that's it. But what about you guys? I, I, I prefer just being zoned in and, like, watching the game. And so I ended up not getting supporter section seats because like you're not watching a game over there that's that's a party like which is i'm not saying anything bad about that that's ha- yeah, that has yeah. its value and i'm glad that's going to be happening but i know that like i would never get to watch soccer if i went over there so i got seats in another part so i can actually watch a game but yeah i i enjoy soccer like a soccer game more when i'm like sitting in my house by myself and nobody's talking to me <laughs> yeah i can't wait for that first show after the first game when when <laughs> Landon's like, like tactically breaking down every single thing. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool. It was fun. It was amazing. We all like, it was really drunk. I think we won. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? You know. <laughs> yeah. Did that play happen? I don't know. Whatever. I don't, it's I'm fine. It's fine. Well. You got yeah. it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right. Exactly. So we've alluded to the last question several times, and I'm just realizing that this last question might turn into multiple questions. So we should probably get on with it. Um, what kind of marketing stuff do you guys have coming down the pipeline? Like what can we expect to see in the coming months? Um, well, I mean, listen, the, the teaser for the biggest thing came out last week, um, which you guys can piece it together is, is Jersey, right? So that's coming up. Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, I, I'm super proud of the approach that the club has taken. I mean, with all the challenges of COVID and kind of curveballs and all that sort of stuff, I think we've, we've landed on a, a really cool way to bring this thing to life and do it in a way that celebrates Austin, which is in, you know, it's congruent with how we've wanted to do this from the get-go. So we'll continue that theme. Um, and I'm just like, I'm excited for this thing to be out in the world. You know, it's been hiding in my office for the last you know, however many months. So um, and I think people are going to be really stoked. You know, I, this is um, this is my first time doing it from the club level. Did it from the league side. Totally different again, though. But you know, to, to see the amount of personal investment that everybody that's been part of Austin FC 
front office, but particularly SGs, fans, you know, to be able to see one of those like first like real physical pieces of Austin FC that means something, that's going to be a really cool moment. Um, and I'm super stoked for it. So that's happening in the, you know, yeah, it'll come, out, future, it'll come out on what future. day? Come out on what day? <laughs> and exactly when can we buy it? And what does it look like? Wait, sorry. Uh, no, I can't. I can't do any of that stuff. But, but it's you know, it's coming. That's all I'll say. It's coming soon. Um, and again, I'm really stoked for it. I think we've got something that is going to be making people happy from a design perspective and just in terms of how it comes to life, which is really cool. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. So James, thanks so much for joining us. It was really great to talk to you again, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me guys. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a good time, man. Thanks. All right. We want to thank James one more time for joining us. It's always great to talk to him and uh, we can't wait to see what else he's going to be doing with the club going forward. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, updates we want to hit before we finish up. So Jeremiah, this weekend was the Austin Soccer Foundation Foundation's foot golf tournament. So tell us a little bit about those results. Yeah, we've talked about this a few times on the show. So they ended up having their fourth annual tournament um, this weekend. They had 60 players, which would be 30 teams, which is a very good turnout. Um, for that, they had a, uh, this is always makes me nervous. It's like a very bad foot golf player, but they had a, professional footballer in Jamaican international Ryan Thompson, who also plays for the bold um, that played. And they, they said a number of Austin journalists. I know Chris Bills was in, I don't know who the other Austin journalists were. <laughs> um, but if we remember the big armadillo uh, community shield that went as a prize, the uh, first place team is La Cinco Dose, which was the Austin bold supporters group. So it was, and it, I looked at the results. They, they did really well. they, like they have some ringers or something. So did they uh, have the professional player on one of their teams? <laughs> yeah, he was on one of their teams, but I don't think he was on the team that won. I don't think he was on the. T- it was a team that shot like a forty-eight, <laughs> which means nothing to me because like I don't really understand how it works. Um, and then second was Liverpool, uh, Liverpool Austin. Like I've drank with those guys at six o'clock in the morning on Sundays, so I'm glad <laughs> they're also good at foot golf. And then uh, FC Austin Elite and Los Verdes tied for um, third, so it was a really good. Apparently a really good tournament, really good turnout. So congratulations to everybody that did that. And we look forward to doing more of that in the future. Nice. Um, all right. One other update is the election was over this week. We're not going to talk about all of the results on this podcast, but one that is specific to soccer interests is Project Connect passed. So Proposition A and B both passed. Uh, Proposition A passing means that McCalla Place is going to get a train station. So that's really exciting. Um the question now is when is that going to happen? Uh, hopefully the the schedule is like during two years, right, Jeremiah? But Right. The schedule is two years from now. And I tried to ask some uh, friends of mine at Cap Metro, but apparently now that they know that, you know, it's going to end up on the podcast, no matter what the answer, they, they did not, <laughs> they did not provide one, but hopefully if not for this season, then hopefully for 2022, we'll have, you know, the station or like we talked about on the last show, like at least the, at least the way to get over and across the um, tracks, which will make it a lot easier to get in and out. Yeah. All right. So we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll also like to ask you to visit CapitalCitySoccer.com for even more Austin FC news. So we will be back next week with uh, some more Austin FC and MLS news. And we're going to be joined by our good friend and soccer writer, Phil West. 
We're going to talk about the MLS playoffs that kick off on November 20th. So until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. Is around.